basically think of sturgeon bay may time of year so you still got spawning fish you have post-spawn fish and you have pre-spawn fish it's basically like that out there but all the way through like august like they'll literally be fishing like three feet of water just you're like what like you just throw over to him and he just goes and eats it you're like <laughs> like it's like taking that and timesing it by two like sturgeon bay in the spring i'm hunter jordan i'm colin blaylock and welcome to the great lakes experience this week's episode is brought to you by dnr sports center whether you're trying to make your way to the elites fishing on the weekends or your local weeknight derby dnr has you covered everything you'll need to get started or take your game to the next level Stop in store in Kalamazoo, Michigan, or online at VanDamWarehouse.com. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 27. We have a very special guest with us again this week, um, Jay Shakurit, the youngest Elite Series champion and the record holder for biggest bag of all smallmouth. Jay, how's it going? How's it going, man? Thanks for having me on. Of course. Thanks for taking the time out of your day and sitting down with us for a little bit. Um, I also have Cole's back with me. Um, couldn't get Collins in mind schedules lined up today um, to do this, but so I just figured I'd have my, uh, my super secret co-host jump in again, <laughs> seeing how these two are old high school buddies. <laughs> yeah thanks for having me on yeah. you can get up in the old forerunner back in the day <laughs> <laughs> that was classic <laughs> so tell us a little bit about yourself jay like you grew up obviously in wisconsin with cole um yeah. talk a little bit about you guys starting your high school team and stuff like that sure yeah so <clears throat> i'm from stevens point wisconsin um i've lived here all my life this is where i grew up learned how to fish um, basically we have around our area, we have a lot of options, um, within two hours of our household, I would say, I mean, we can go to the lacrosse area and fish the Mississippi river, which is about two hours from my house. We can go up to the North woods, which is, you know, an hour or two North of us and fish unlimited amounts of, uh, clear, clear, clear lakes, flowages, rivers, about everything you can think of. And then also we can go over to the Great Lakes. We can go over to Sturgeon Bay, which is just about two hours from my house as well. So we have a lot of options here. And, uh, you know, this is where I grew up cutting my teeth, learning how to fish and primarily more around um, the central Wisconsin area, fishing the Wisconsin River and some other small surrounding uh, little lakes around here and stuff like that. But I never really had any um, southern fishing experience prior to fishing as a co-angler on the Bassmaster Opens in 2019, that was when I decided that I wanted to fish outside of the state and kind of take that leap and at least, you know, get some taste of what it's like to compete down in Alabama and Florida and places that, that see more pressure than the fishing gets up here. Because up here, there at the time we started fishing, you know, me and Cole, there was, there was tournaments to be had and tournaments to fish up here, but it was nowhere near the level that, uh, these guys had down South. And then going back to the part of, uh, starting up the whole high school fishing team, it was one of my last years in high school that we started up the team. And, you know, I got a little taste into that and we had three or four tournaments under our belt. And then unfortunately I graduated and that kind of went away. So, but I'm definitely glad I did it. And, uh, 
yeah, that's a little bit of background on the area I'm from and kind of how I started, started fishing. Heck yeah. So now your dad is a pro walleye angler. So was there ever a point where you thought about following his footsteps or kind of what, where was the turning point? You probably get this yeah. a lot, but where was the this turning is, point yeah. where you said, like, I want to, I want to catch bass instead. Yeah. This is probably the most asked question I get. Um, so a lot of people probably don't really know this, but when we, whenever me and my dad would go fishing, whether it was for fun tournaments, um, anything, it would always be for bass. Like when he would come home from a walleye tournament, we would go bass fishing because he didn't want to go walleye fishing. He didn't want to do the same thing he was doing, you know, in the tournament. And, and to be honest with you, walleye fishing is a lot more, uh, meticulous and a lot more time consuming. A lot of the techniques are just a lot different and, to me they're just not as fun really i mean (laughs) to to a certain point they're not i mean bass fishing is more you're so much more engaged in what you're doing and uh that was also the same time that the whole high school fishing thing took off and college fishing and this is when we had all these opportunities for um team tournaments locally um rather than walleye tournaments i think like locally we maybe had two walleye tournaments in a year that we could actually fish like full walleye tournaments and the payouts were average at best. And, uh, you know, other than traveling for walleyes, that was a whole different story, but the bass fishing team tournament opportunities around central Wisconsin, you know, within an hour or two of my house was growing huge and there was a lot of opportunities into that. And that was definitely why why I got into the bass thing. And then also it was also another part of just seeing that was also the time where Bassmaster was like exploding and it was like the one thing everybody wanted to get into like the elite series and the classic and that whole deal. Yeah. So do you, would you say you have a question, Cole? So, yeah, I used, I used to like really be in the walleye fishman with MFN, my dad, that's all we would do. And actually I used to fish tournament like the PWA against Jay a little bit about a little bit of both. I might be like I knew of Jay just because we were neighbors and all that, but only knew him from that tournament. So then in high school, he actually kind of convinced me that bass fishing was better than walleye fishing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's totally true, but yeah, oh, it's good. Yeah, that was a little bit of a backstory on the whole PWA deal. Um, that's actually a three bass, three walleye tournament that we fish in our hometown and you get a taste of both species and it's like the one tournament a year where like everybody in the county and everybody gets together and like we see each other after the long winter and it's kind of like you know the bragging rights tournament of the year that everybody fishes so yeah it was pretty cool yeah awesome so let's talk a little bit about um you going into the opens um at what point i mean so you've you've won two of the opens as a co right i did yeah yeah so talk a little bit about that i guess um how did that's to me that's probably one of the most one of the craziest parts of your open career yeah. is winning as a co yeah so I, I i was fortunate enough to win twice as a co angler once in 2019 it was the last event of the season on Grand Lake down in Oklahoma. And then the following year, I decided to fish as a calling there again. Had a good year. You know, I had some solid finishes and cashed a couple of checks. And then <clears throat> again, the last tournament came around 
and this was on Lay Lake in Alabama, ended up winning that tournament. So I won um, two tournaments as a co-angler, which gave me um, good funding to then go on the next year and fish as a boater. Um, and I ended up purchasing a boat with the earnings that I won with that. And yeah, that the whole co-angler deal and the wins I had, um, they were pretty special because at the time, like financially and being able to even think about fishing as a boater on the opens was kind of far-fetched when I, when I started fishing as a co-angler in 2019, like I thought being able to fish as a boater would be five or six years down the road, not, you know, just two years as a co and then jump right in as a boater because I know guys that have been fishing the opens for, I mean, 10 plus years and hadn't, you know, had super great success, but they're always close and close to making the elite series and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, those, those two wins really just jump started everything for me personally, um, whether it was financially or just the confidence, um, that I could compete. I mean, yeah, it was, it was the co-angler side. So people can say, oh, as a co-angler side, you're kind of at your boater's mercy, which is true. You are, I mean, and probably I would say at least 70% of the time you are at your boater's mercy. I mean, if he's not on fish, you're probably not going to catch fish either, but at the same time, um, back when I fished it, it was a three day event. So you're, you're based with three different pros and I was fortunate enough to get some pretty good anglers, um, some pretty good boaters in that time. And I learned, I learned a lot from those guys and that, that was kind of my, um, college experience. So I didn't go to college actually to fish. So that the co-angler deal was my college basically was what I took out of it. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of the backstory on my whole co-angler days and how it jump-started me to go over and eventually fish as a boater in 2021. Was there anything that you did as a co-angler that you tried to, like, separate from other co-anglers and yeah. do better than that? I mean, the number one thing I would have to say is, like, I was so, um, like, particular about, like, what I brought in the boat and, like, I would try and bring as much as I could without interfering with the boat. Like, you know how it is. <laughs> it's like a call angler brings right. a hundred pound bag and 40 rods, but I would try and bring as much as I could and be prepared for like anything that was thrown at me. Like for instance, when I won lay Lake, um, day one, we fished like halfway up a river. I was fishing shallow day two. We fished main Lake and 20 feet of water. Like I had to be prepared for like anything that was thrown at me. So I guess just the whole like thought process of, um, and then also I was able to pre-fish, which really helped too. being able to pre-fish a body of water before you fish it as a co-angler helps you to prepare, um, basically just what to bring. I mean, you have more knowledge of, of what you're going to be throwing, what, what you're going to be looking at, the structure you're going to be fishing, stuff like that. So I would have to say those two things combined, just being prepared for anything that's thrown at you was the biggest thing that I put into the whole co-angler deal. Yeah. So I guess my next question would be like outside of, outside of winning those, would you say like probably your, the best part of those opens was just the knowledge you game from fishing with all the different people. Yeah, I would say so. Um, it, it basically puts yourself in somebody else's shoes without being in that super pressured situation. So like, for example, um, I'm watching, this is actually a real life example that happened on Cherokee. My, I think it was my first, no, my second year that I fished as a co, um, Patrick Walters was in contention to make the top 10. 
and this was the second day of the tournament at 2.30 we had been at three something he had three bass in his live well and in the last 15 minutes he caught his last two keepers and eventually qualified for the top 10 and made the top 10 to fish the final day it's just like those moments you can watch and you don't have to be pressured in that situation so you can see how that's done without being you know like nervous and because it's hard i mean when you got all that stuff on the line and you can get spun out so fast um in a big money tournament like that because there's so much on the line and you're so far away from home and you got so many expenses into it and being able to watch someone do it on the water um, without having that pressure on yourself is huge. Cause you just learn from that mentally. Yeah. So now kind of to talk about um, your first, your first season in the elites, it's not over yet. Um, when you saw the schedule come out and you saw the St. Lawrence on there, did that, did that get you pretty excited immediately? Yeah, I mean, it got me excited, um, but there was always that, like, mystery because I, I had never been out there. First, like, I had never been out there prior to this tournament. Um, so anytime you're never, like, haven't been on a body of water, like, there's always that, like, nervous factor of, like, am I going to find enough to even cash a check? And am I, am I going to find enough to be able to compete to stay up there? I mean but I was also excited at the same time because it was smallmouth and it was earlier in the year, which I like to fish earlier in the year rather than, you know, later in August. And when they're all out deep and 30 feet of water, it's a little bit different. I had the fish more scattered out and I was just excited, excited for the time of the year and to be able to fish in smallmouth pretty much. Yeah. Cause I remember, I remember texting you, I messaged you. Yeah, I remember like, that. I think it was like a week or two <clears throat> before. And I was <clears throat> like, I, I had this feeling. I was like, he's going up there. He's going to absolutely crush him. <laughs> and then two weeks later, I was watching every day at work. And I was like, oh, my gosh, he's going to do it. I was like, it's going to be so. And then 102 pounds. Did you ever yeah. think you would see that number in this early, especially in your career? No, not really. Um, the whole like 102 pounds thing wasn't on my mind during the tournament. It was more of winning the tournament than yeah. catching over a hundred pounds. But I knew if I was going to win the tournament, I had to catch over a hundred pounds. So yeah, that was constantly in the back of my mind um, on that final day when I was getting close. And then I kind of got stuck at like 99 something for a while. <laughs> and then I'm like, God, just come on, just two more five pounders and then fortunately it happened that's sweet it's it's really it was in it was a super yeah. crazy experience just from little like a thousand miles away we were watching it right. the store we were just we were our <laughs> eyes were all glued my me and cole just stood at the tv next to all the rocks just watching because we were just yeah. so stoked yeah it was crazy <laughs> still thinking about it now it's looking back on it now is a little bit different I, I think i'm gonna still need a few more years to really realize what i actually did um yeah. just because it all happened so fast and it's just like you know i mean at the end of the day like you think of it as just another tournament but then you look back on it, you're like you're like holy shit like i just want an elite series tournament like that's yeah it's a lot different yeah yeah that's well, go ahead cole good I was going to say, like, I know that, like, we've been to Mille Lacs. You were right. the last year for the U.S. Open. Obviously, Sturgeon Bay. Did the Lake Ontario smallmouth set up 
like any different from those fish? Or are they all kind of similar? Yeah, I would say um, basically think of Sturgeon Bay May time of year. So you still got spawning fish, you have post-spawn fish, and you have pre-spawn fish. Yeah. It's basically like that out there, but all the way through like August. Like they'll literally be fishing like three feet of water just you're like what like you just throw over to him and he just goes and eats it you're like <laughs> yeah like it's like taking that and timesing it by two like sturgeon bay in spring but it's spring like all year there it seems that's crazy how yeah like i know it's like we fish st Clair a lot and stuff and it seems like the fish group together really hard like you catch a two you'll catch you can catch a three but the yeah. fives are separate and stuff <laughs> like that. obviously i heard one Special anglers say that he caught, he made more cats where he caught a fish than didn't catch a fish. I don't know if that's true or not. But how did you, how were you able to separate finding bigger fish from smaller ones? So I had, if you guys are familiar, I had two spots um, that I caught all my fish off of in the tournament. And on the first spot that I always started on, there was, it was basically a mega school. Like there was, I don't know. 400 plus smallmouth there every time i went there you could see them um they would bite they wouldn't bite they turn on and they wouldn't they follow like it was insane but like within the mega school there would be like schools of five pounders and then like within another pod in the mega school there would be like schools of like three and a half like you could tell like when you catch one the whole school would come to your trolling motor and then when you get back up on the trolling motor they'd all slide back down to the bottom and then they'd be hard to catch or whatever. But sometimes you could catch one more and it'd be another one, the same size. Like on that last day when I caught, um, I instantly caught one about four and a half. I slid back up on the trolling motor, took one more cast, caught a six. Um, that was like the, the big pod in the mega school, the big ones that I was on. And fortunately I only got two of them to bite. That was the hard part about it was, um, they got so smart so fast that it was just hard to get them to bite. And yeah, that that's kind of how that worked. Um, differing out the bigger fish was just smaller schools inside of ginormous schools of fish. It's kind of how it worked. Do you think that you caught more fish using run-facing sonar or more like sight fishing? You know? Like what was your way of buying the bigger schools? Yeah, it was like half and half. So my first spot was forward facing sonar just because the water was a little bit dirtier and they were a little bit deeper there. It was harder to see the bottom. Um, I did see some come up every once in a while. You could see them with your eyes. And then on my second spot, um, I basically sight fished almost everything there except for when it got a little bit windy. So I would have to say like I probably sight fish seven or eight fish in the tournament out of my way fish and then my other 12 or whatever it would have been were probably came on uh the forward facing sonar heck yeah so like you so last year you fished the the bass pro us open on st Clair, right yep so how would you say no obviously you said it's pretty much like springtime up there in ontario um lake ontario all the time but like when you're catching those deeper fish like that, does it set up pretty similar to Lake St. Clair? Uh, no, I don't think so. Not really. Um, you don't have the current, you don't have, um, there's so much more structure like on Ontario and like giant boulders. Um, there's so much 
the bait is so much different too. I mean, you have, um, I saw all three personally. I saw crayfish gobies and I still don't know to this day what they were in my primary area, but there was clouds of, they could have been alewives, but I'm not still not a hundred percent sure on what they actually were, but, um, it sets up a lot different than St. Clair other than the fact that, um, when you find a school of fish, um, you obviously found something pretty special and you can catch them, catch them easily. That, that sets up similar. Um, but yeah, the structure part and the bait fish part is quite a bit different. Yeah. So would you say like, I mean, obviously you're like being from up North, you're seasoned in smallmouth fishing. So would you say that that probably set you up the best to like kind of prepare you for this tournament, you know, how to find the smallmouth, you know, like what kind of areas they hang out in, what they're eating yeah. and stuff like that. Yeah. I would say it definitely prepared me pretty well. Um, just being able to fish sturgeon Bay, like in May, June, um, it's really sets up a lot similar. I mean, a lot of the structure on the great lakes really doesn't change from great lake to great lake. I mean, you have the same kind of rocks, you have boulders, you have like the smaller chunk rock, like the little pea gravel stuff. You have the sand patches. You have the the big slate rock that runs off of points and big bluffs. Um, a lot of it sets up the same. It was really just finding the areas that the fish were coming out because they had just finished up spawning when we got there. And it was just finding the areas where they're starting to group up and, you know, get on just like little subtle points coming outside of a bay where they could just feed on gobies for a few weeks or whatever they were doing, um, just being dumb up shallow. And then finally they would make it out to their um, final summertime haunts, which is like generally like 15 to 30 or 40 feet, whatever they decide they want to sit at. But yeah, they were kind of in that little bit in between period. And that's my favorite time to, to fish them. Yeah. So, um, so obviously go ahead. I said we grew up fishing the Wisconsin River, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't don't realize it's kind of like smallmouth act like largemouth, if that makes any sense, because the water yeah. is the same. <clears throat> do you think that you got or you were able to do well down south because of the way our home river sets up? Like as far as preparing for the largemouth fishing, you know, flipping cover and stuff like that. Like where did you think you learned how to catch largemouth? Yeah. Um that is a good point. Like our river, we have largemouth and smallmouth in it. And like, they almost do act the same. Like you could catch a largemouth right next to where you caught a smallmouth um, the day before. And yeah, I would have to say that definitely helped me quite a bit. Like being able to read currents, not necessarily um, like straight river currents because we haven't fished any like straight up rivers. I mean, we fished the Tennessee river, which has current, but uh, like being able to go into a, a straight up backwater that's, you know, flatter than flat. It's four feet deep, um, weeds everywhere. Um, and then you got, say you got like one or two laydowns on the bank and like one little stretch of bank that's a little bit deeper than the other. Um, being able to read water that's like so expansive and just like looks so intimidating, um, I think helped me a lot fishing the river because the river is pretty, if I, I mean, think about it. if you were to go out on the river as your first day ever, like go out on the point flowage, like you'd be pretty intimidated the first time you went out there. I mean, there's so much stuff in the backwaters and you don't know what half of it looks like and how, how all that stuff gets created with all the different currents and cutouts and things like that. So, yeah, I mean, I'd, I'd say it prepared me for 
a decent amount of the fisheries down there, but some of them I still got some work to do on, uh, like Lake Fork and uh, that place is <laughs> that place is a little intimidating. <laughs> so um I'm just about out of time on this one. So we're gonna hear from our sponsors real quick and then we will be right back. Gotcha. All right, we're back. Um, so next we're going to talk a little bit about, um, I kind of want like a little bit of an inside scoop on what it's like to be an elite series angler. Um, for guys like me and Cole, that's something that most guys dream of and can't ever make it. Um, and it's actually going to be a little, a lot harder now because they just switched up the rules on used to be fish the three, you only had to qualify in the three events in your region. So are you, are you pretty grateful about that you made it in before that rule change? Yeah, I am. I mean, I'm grateful I made it in, in my first year, any, like regardless of any yeah. rule change or anything that <laughs> happened, like to be able to qualify. Yeah. Like, cause at the time it was like, when I qualified, um, it was like, should I take this? Like, am I ready for this? Um, I mean, you got, you have so much thrown at you. A lot of people don't realize, I mean, entry fees, $45,000 straight up, like right when you decide you're going to fish the elite series. Um, it's a lot more than just fishing the elite series. I mean, especially living up here and where you guys are based over there. I mean, it's, it's a whole different ball game when you're traveling down to Florida and, you know, I would say seven or six out of the nine tournaments are 12 plus hours away from the house. I mean, it's a lot of travel and it's, I don't know, sometimes it can be a little bit, uh, a little bit daunting fishing it just because you're by yourself a lot. Um, you find yourself spending ungodly amounts of money, um, <laughs> before you even make a cast. I mean, like realistically, I mean, by the time you fill the truck up five times, fill the boat up, get the hotel room, get the food. Um, yeah, it gets, it gets kind of crazy sometimes, but the result is obviously worth it when it works out. I mean, you have to spend money to make money doing this and fishing the elite series. And that's the only way you do it in general. I mean, fishing any tournament, you have to spend it to make it. So, yeah, I mean, my perspective on the whole elite series deal is it's pretty awesome. If you guys, if anybody can make it happen, um, you just have to put into realization the fact that you are going to be spending a lot of money um, to do it. And then obviously, but it can obviously be really good in return. Um, if you're successful and, and you make it there. Yeah. What's a, what's a uh, week leading up to a tournament look like for you? Yeah. So like right now, series. like before I leave. Yeah. Yeah. So like right now I'm getting ready to leave for Oahe, which practice starts on Sunday. And then, um, I go straight to lacrosse after that. So this week is a whole week of, um, straight up prep in the boat. Um, I'll take the boat out three or four times on the river here just to make sure everything's like in perfect shape. Um, like I just fixed, I fixed some things on my trolling motor the other day. I, everything that I can think of that could possibly go wrong. Um, I try and have some kind of backup option for it. Um, so that's what I'll do. I'll take that out three or four times and then 
I'll get all my rods prepped. So for instance, we have lacrosse right after Oahe and I have to basically take, um, all my river stuff and all my lake fishing stuff with me, which is way too much stuff. And then, so I have everything like rigged up for the river. So I'll just throw that in my truck. And then as soon as I'm done with the Wahi, I just have to throw all my Wahi stuff in the truck, take all my stuff out of the truck, put it in the boat for the river because our practice literally starts the next day after, um, yeah, after the final day of Oahe, or we might have one day in between for travel, but that's it. And then right when we get there, we have to be ready to, uh, to hit the river. So that's what I've been doing this whole week. And then getting, you know, prepared to where I can stay for hotels and places to stay. Fortunately for these next two, um, I have some connections with people that live there and that worked out that way. So, but usually it's not like that. Usually you have to, you know, figure out where you're going to stay and, especially going down to Florida and places like that. I hardly know anybody that lives down there or does anything. So you kind of just have to do it on your own and that sucks, but it's just what has to be done. Yeah. So when you're going to places, does it make you, do you feel more comfortable going to new places like um, St. Lawrence or Oahe more than you do like coming back to fish the sip at lacrosse? Cause that's going to be, you're going to have a yeah. lot of eyes on you for that one. <laughs> I feel that's a good question because sometimes I feel more comfortable on a new body of water because I don't have things going on in the back of my mind saying that I have to be over at this spot or I have to be over at this spot. Um, like for instance, on St. Lawrence, I had two spots and the only thing going on in my mind was, do I need to run over to the second spot or do I need to stay here? Like there was nothing going on. Like, do I need to run 40 miles to the spot? Like none of that. Um, so at the same time, yes, I like the fact of fishing new bodies of water, but to your question, I would rather fish a place that I've had experience on just because yeah. in a multi-day tournament, it gives you more options and you always want more options, um, in a four day event. I mean, that was my first time fishing all four days and like, four days of straight fishing is a long time. Like I got done with the second day of the tournament and I'm like, this thing's only half over. Like <laughs> I felt like I was like in not first place and I was either. like, yeah, not including practice. So you're five days in and I'm like, this is half over. And I'm like, how am I going to repeat this two more days? still? like, that's a whole nother tournament I feel like. And yeah, it's kind of, kind of crazy when you put that in perspective. Yeah. So, um, you've obviously fished the sip probably a ton. Um, so are you going to be looking for new stuff or are you just going to check out your, your old spots and stuff like that? Or are you going to just kind of start with a clean slate and try and just go crazy? Yeah. I mean, so just for starters, I wouldn't say I fished the sip a ton. I mean, I fished it enough to know it. Um, Obviously, I would have liked to have fished it more, knowing that it was on the <laughs> schedule this year. But I did get over there in pre-practice for two or three days before the cutoff, which was like earlier in July. And but the problem with the river is, um, I mean, you guys know this is changing. Like yesterday, it could be completely different than what you know it was eight hours ago. Like it's kind of crazy that way, but based on where I am in the points right now, 
and kind of what I want to do. Um, to your point, yeah, I kind of just want to look at areas that I know, um, keep familiarizing myself, don't get crazy and start locking through different pools and take the risk of getting locked out because then you're screwed. I mean, you don't get any points if you get locked out. That's just kind of how I'm taking the Mississippi right now is just kind of ease into it and make sure I catch a limit. And, uh, instead of trying to, you know, hit a home run on the first or second day, just keep myself in it for the first two days, make the cut and then see what happens from there. Exactly. Perfect. Um, so now we're kind of going to swing back to like the whole fishing around, like where you grew up and stuff. Um, would you say the, great lakes area is probably your favorite to i guess what are your top five spots in the great lakes area to fish whether it's wisconsin michigan up in new york like wherever um i'd have to put ontario up there now because that place is insane the only problem is it's like 17 hours from the house but no i'd have to say it'd be like sturgeon bay is still one of my favorites um in the springtime of the year and then Lake Ontario would probably have to be number two now. Um, the river going into that lake over there is pretty insane. And then, honestly, I don't really get um, much else Great Lakes experience. St. Clair was pretty phenomenal when I was there. Um, but we were only there for like three days, and that was my first time there. Yeah, that's what I was just about so, to ask. It was, yeah. it was, so did you – was it pretty nuts to go to there for the first time, I guess? I mean – yeah, it was. That that was an eye opener for sure. Cause that was one of my first times where like I caught, I don't know how many we caught, but we caught a lot of smallmouth in practice and like just seeing how dumb they were out there was a little <laughs> bit different than like the ones on Surgeon Bay are smart. Like they get a lot of pressure right. over by us and like uh, Cole knows it. I mean, he's fished here and he's fished St. Clair. It's a whole different, it's a whole I'm different close. deal. I mean, no, it's I'm not even close. close. Yeah. So what yeah, do you think? So. What do you think the reasoning behind that would be? Do you think there's less fish in Sturgeon Bay, so the same fish keep getting pressured, or do you got any ideas on what would what that reasoning? It's would just be? You just can go Wisconsin. a lot more places in St. Clair. <laughs> That's true. St. Clair holds fish in like a large area of water compared to Sturgeon. Yeah, Bay. yeah Sturgeon Bay is pretty small. Mm-hmm. Okay, gotcha. You know, like St. Clair is like the only lake in the world where you can just drift anywhere and catch a bass across the whole lake. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that's why. Heck yeah. Um. So when you're going to like these new places and stuff like that, what are you like? What's the what's your first part of like your game plan that you like? Like, okay, I need to go check this or check that. Or do you kind of sure. just do you graph around first and look for stuff, or do you? Yeah. Like, I try to have an initial game plan going into it, um, like zones that I want to look at. I'll have like three zones, um, that I've picked out before I even get to the place because most of these places we're going to are, I mean, ginormous, like yeah. 60 plus miles long. You can run out of gas. Um, so I try and pick like three zones and then uh, one out of those three zones, if I start catching some fish, I'll try and just dissect that area and just fish that area. I found that I'm a lot better fisherman if I'm not running, um, like 40 spots in a day, unless I know the body of water, that's the difference. Um, 
like if I'm going to somewhere brand new, if I can stay in one area the whole day, I'm a lot better than if I'm trying to fish new water during the tournament. Now I've fished new water during the tournament and it does work um, often, but when you're a rookie on the elite series and you're trying to catch five bass, it's a little bit different story than uh, everybody else is on all the stuff that you want to try and get on. Like for instance, on Pickwick, that was a whole nother story, but yeah, I try and pick like three sections of the lake. I'll do those three sections. Um, if I find fish in one or two of those sections, I'll basically stick to that because we only get three days of practice. So that first day is basically looking at those three zones, not necessarily fishing, um, maybe dabbling around a little bit. And then the next day is like straight up, like hard fishing, everything I graphed, um, seeing if I can get bites, what baits they're on, things like that. Um, what's going on down there. And then the final day is like dissecting the area that I think I'm going to fish the first day of the tournament. And then obviously if that doesn't work, then you kind of just got to scrap that and hopefully something changes the first day of the tournament. Yeah. What would you say your favorite Southern Lake you've been to is so far? Mm, Santee was fun. Santee was probably my favorite just because when we were there, it was like they just started pulling up and like the potential of what I saw for large mouths in that lake was it was pretty wild. I mean, I saw like eight, nine pounders just cruising around, just not even <laughs> thinking about fighting. But it was like, if these fish would have pulled up on beds, like could have caught, I don't know how many pounds. I mean, it was wild. Yeah. What do you think going to like being an elite series angler now? What is probably, what's one of the most intimidating factors of it for you? Um, Probably setting the bar high for yourself now that um i say it like that but like setting the bar so high where like you're expected to do good now you know what i mean like if you don't do good you're like well like what the heck happened to him like what's he doing out there like why isn't he catching anything um that would probably be the biggest thing like especially if you were if which i still do i still come back and fish at home and like say i don't catch him at home or i don't catch him at home for a while like people are like well like, why aren't you catching them? Like you're on the elite series. Aren't you supposed to be like really good? Yeah. And like just that whole part of it. Um, people don't. Yeah. I mean, it's still at the end of the day, like you're still another person fishing you're doing the same exact thing as them. I mean, it's no different. You're just yeah, doing exactly. it. At, you're just doing it at a level to make a living and make money. That's the only difference. Yeah. So like for me, I think one of the craziest parts, like if I made it, one of the craziest parts for me would be like, what's it what's it like going up against guys that you used to watch on television or stuff like that because i know 10 or so years ago when they were on sturgeon bay you were on the boat watching bp right yeah so yeah so i guess kind of what is it like going from watching those right. guys to fishing <laughs> yeah. against them that's got to be a really crazy part too right that's yeah between the part i just talked about and that part is like the craziest too um yeah like having him like come up and congratulate me when i won was like that was pretty wild because like i had never even really thought about like fishing against him or like beating him in these tournaments and then like all of a sudden it's all happening in like weeks then it's just like all of a sudden he's like coming up to you and then he actually was uh good enough to take he actually took pictures for me at the weigh-in and everything it was super cool but yeah that guy is a class act and 
being able to be around guys like that and the things they do, um, they're super nice. And he's one of them. That's, that's definitely up there on the top of the list. Who's your favorite elite guys to hang out with? To hang out with? <laughs> well, I think I don't necessarily like hang out with any of them right now. So like me and Redwine, um, Alex Redwine travel together and we're really the only two that like hang out. Um, because we like room together and stuff like that so i'd have to say him right now because i don't really we don't really hang out with anyone else nice um so obviously you had a huge couple of weeks um was it pretty what was it like winning that event and then going into the big eye cast show like that like now you've got your all these people are like wow like yeah rookie just won this event like so i'm pretty sure you were pretty popular at icast that was uh definitely eye-opening to see how many people were not only like watching me but were watching the live stream and that whole deal and then like noticing me there i mean i don't know how many congratulations and stuff like that that i got just walking through the aisles and uh, that was definitely eye-opening to see that and definitely thankful for everyone that you know congratulated me and reached out and it was it was a lot different because just a year ago like if I would have walked in there um before this tournament even not even before this tournament even happened that I won um it would have been a completely different situation like you know it it would have been the same old guy walking into um the iCast show and this was my first iCast show so it was it was definitely pretty crazy. It's hard to put into words kind of how it, yeah, how it was, but yeah. Did you ever go down there with your dad in previous years? For ICAST? Yeah. No, no, this was the first time. Okay. Yeah. So like who was probably the craziest person that you like got a congrats from, um, whether it was at ICAST at the tournament or just, uh, probably kvd at icast when we were in the striking booth <laughs> yeah that's pretty so he, just, he just had like an entourage around him and then <laughs> he just congratulated me it's pretty cool yeah that's nuts it's super it's super sweet to see guys like you who are like mining coals How, you're 23 yeah it's super it's it's so sweet yeah. to see watch you go from right. because i've been watching me and cole and pretty much half the shop at DNR have been watching you this year. Um, we've got like, there's like a little J fan club at DNR. <laughs> um, but I just remember saying to Cole, I was like, this guy's sick. He's like going off this year. And uh, I just remember, I was like, dude, he's going to win that at the St. Lawrence. This yeah, year. I was like, I was, like, I, was like, I was like, I have to get him on this show because he's going to win that. Um, so appreciate you coming on taking some time yeah, out of your day you. um stopping to chat with us for a little bit um i think that's about all the questions i've got cole you got anything else you want to say no it was pretty good thanks for coming on Heck yeah. yeah no problem thanks so, for having me boys yeah for sure so kind of just plug a little bit what you got going on whether it's um new sponsor stuff for um sure. whitewater or whoever where you guys are next stops you talked about it a little bit yeah but give us a little insight on what you got coming up 
Yeah, so we got two events coming up, uh, Oahe and the Cross, the next two events, and basically just looking to have two good tournaments in those and hopefully qualify for the Classic and maybe pull off the uh, Rookie of the Year deal that somehow I regained the lead in that, so I'll see if I can keep that for the rest of the year. And then, um, yeah, that's about it. I mean, just looking forward to finishing out the season and hopefully everything works out. And then if anybody wants to follow me on what I'm doing, um, just Instagram and Facebook, um, just my full name on both. And yeah, that's about it. Just one quick question. If you had to pick one of the two to finish out the rest of the year, would you rather win rookie of the year or make the classic classic, the classic for sure. Well, that's a tough choice, but because you can only do rookie of the year once. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know. I'd have to think about that one. You just got to do both now. That was the goal. All right, man. Well, thanks for, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it a ton. Um, And as for you guys listening, um, I know I keep saying this every week, but the website will be up next week. Um, I ordered samples for clothes. Those are coming here because I want to see those before I open the website to you guys to buy stuff. Um, And then everything else is on the ball rolling. Um, This is kind of crazy. I talked about it last week a little bit. I never thought that me and Colin kind of started this whole thing as like a little joke. (laughs) And now we're talking to guys like Jay and last week we were talking to Sean Stahl and it's just super exciting to see and I wouldn't be able to do any of this without your guys' help. So I just want to thank all you guys and keep listening and keep tuning in every week. So we will catch you guys next week.